sovereign, who is preeminent, who is powerful, who is perfect in all your ways. Father, we do pause to acknowledge that you're worthy of our You are worthy of our affections. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our adoration. You are worthy of our attention right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we humbly come before your mighty throne of grace, we do ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us right now in the name of Jesus, that we would see Christ exalted. Father, that we would see all of our issues of life fall down where they are supposed to be not above you but below you for whatever the issue of life is lord you're greater whatever the situation or circumstance lord you're greater whatever issue my heart i'm dealing with this morning lord you're greater so i ask oh god that you appoint your spirit and you will be in this place in a mighty and magnificent way lord help us to see jesus that you would be exalted today thank you for the worship led by our children, the gifts that you have given to us. Lord, I ask that you help us to be faithful stewards over their lives, over their witness, over their testimonies. Help us to be faithful stewards of the treasure we have in Christ Jesus. So, Father, I ask right now that you would create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to to your abundant mercy, may you blot out our transgressions and wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from all sin. Father, please hide me behind your your cross. May you take my foolish words and use Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's good to be in the Lord one more time. If you will, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his goodness, his faithfulness. For the wonderful job that our babies did today. Amen. Amen. All right. We'll go with that. Let's give our babies a hand clap of praise. Let's thank the Lord for how He used them to minister to us this morning. That was some good old singing. Amen. I'm just grateful for the for our babies. And uh, indeed, I just like to say welcome to all of our guests and friends and family to this church here gathered at Forest Baptist. We welcome you uh, to our Children's Day. As we have mentioned before, this is a day where we celebrate the gift of our children that the Lord has given. It is because of him and him alone that we have these wonderful gifts of our children, and we want to be faithful to be uh, good stewards over their lives, and we want to make sure that uh, we are encouraging them and allowing God to use their special and specific gifts and abilities that he has given unto them. As we read earlier today, Psalm 78, verses 5 through 7, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. You see that? God has commanded us to teach our children the word of God. 
his commandments. And he says that the who, the next generation might know them. If we don't teach them, who will? If, if we don't show them the way of Christ, then who will? The world's going to show them how to live like the world. If anyone's going to show them how to live like Christ, it is the people of God teaching them what God has commanded us already. And then the word of God goes on to say, the children yet unborn and arise to them, to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. That's the whole purpose of a day like today, to encourage our children to keep God's commandments, not to put them up here so that they may shine, but that they will let their light so shine before men that that others may that see their good works and give glory to the father who is in heaven. We when we see our babies up here, it should cause us to say, thank you, Jesus. When we see our babies seeing it, it should cause us to say, thank you, Lord, that you are using them right now to proclaim your glories. Amen. Our theme, our theme is children of God walking in truth. And with that, I invite you to turn with me to 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 third John, the letter of third John towards the back of your Bible. And we're going to be reading actually verses uh, one through four. We'll be reading together verses one through four. And if you would, if you are able in honor of reading of the God's word, if you would please stand at this time. Third John, verses 1 through 4. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I just want to tag the text before us this morning. A proud parent's praise. A proud parent's praise praise. You know, for all of our parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, all here today, just, just think about a time that you, were, that you felt very proud. This morning, you may have felt proud because of the children singing and, and you're looking at them. It just brings a smile to your face. And some of our proudest moments in life come through our children's accomplishments. Think about it. When we go to a graduation, it wasn't just enough to have a 12th grade graduation. They got a kindergarten graduation, a first grade graduation, second, third, fourth. They got all kinds of graduations. Why? Because as parents, we like to show up and say, yeah, I'm excited about my child. But our proudest moments of life are often tied to our children. It may be an athletic achievement. It may be a scholarship, it, or, or, or maybe it's some type of first. We have a lot of newborns and, and, and small children. Maybe it's their first steps. Maybe it's their first time reading a, a word on their own. But it's those firsts that, that also give us those, those times where we're just proud. I remember the first Christmas program that our children uh, participated in in school. 
and, and we showed up and we were so proud that, that, that it, didn't, it didn't even start. And we were just so excited for our children because we knew they was going to be on stage. Nate was, he had this little tie on, a little white shirt. He's singing in the choir. We proud of him. Nadia, she, she was about in first or second grade, and she was dressed up as a mouse. She didn't even have that many lines. She was like a little mouse, and we were just so proud of her. And Nehemiah, she come down. She was dressed up like a little lamb. My wife is so creative. She went and got one of those bathroom rugs, and then she put, like, put it on her back and dressed it up, made it like a look, look like a little lamb. She just came strutting down the aisle, and, I, and we were excited about her already. I don't even remember if Noel was in the program. Was Noel in the program? I don't even remember. But I remember being so excited and proud to see our children up there on stage. You know, it's that moment when your chest sticks out, when that smile comes over your face. A tear may fall from your eyes. It's that moment when you say, that's my baby. You know those moments in life when, when your babies actually do what they're supposed to do and you say, that's my baby. At the, it's that moment, you pro, it don't matter what they did all week. It don't matter how they acted up before you got to the program. But you just, you show up and they do something good and you're like, that's my baby. And you're claiming them now. That's my baby. You know what? In the same way, when we look at this text, the Apostle John, he's a spiritual father. He's a proud parent in this text. And it's, it's when we see in the lives of those we have poured out so much into, when we see the moment that they get it, the moment that, that it kind of clicks and they're able to, to, to do what we've been teaching them or they, they really understand what we've been saying and the moment where they're able to walk out and perform and to do what we've been showing them, that's the moment when we say, that's my baby. And in scriptures here, John captures for us a that's my baby moment. He is proud of his friend Gaius. He is excited and, and he rejoices in his heart that, that Gaius has, he has gotten it right. This, not, this may not be his biological son, but this is his spiritual son. The apostle rejoices because ultimately walking in truth means walking with Jesus. See, the context of this letter is John is writing a letter of appreciation and gratitude for his dear friend uh, Gaius, uh, who has been working alongside of him in ministry. See, during those times when the gospel was going out and churches were being established, uh, 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 traveling preachers would begin to uh, take the gospel from city to city to church to church and begin to preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ. And when they would enter a city, they didn't have a Holiday Inn. They didn't have a Marriott. They didn't have a Crown Plaza or a guardhouse in ancient Near East in Jerusalem. But what they had was people homes. And people would open up their homes to these itinerant preachers to come and stay. And they would support them. They would feed them. They would make sure they had everything they needed in order for them to go out and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And word had gotten back to the Apostle John that Gaius was being kind. He was being generous. He was being helpful to all of those who were co-workers, 
fellow workers in the gospel, opening up his house to make sure they had somewhere to go, a table to eat at, a bed to lay their head, that they would wake up refreshed and ready to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this word of faithfulness has gotten back to John. See, I think about your reputation for hospitality. When people leave your presence, what do they go out and tell others about you? When people leave, leave your home, when they leave your car, when they leave the lunch table with you, well, what is the reputation that they go back and, and, and teach about? Because evidently, when those, those preachers and those, those, those individuals traveling for the sake of the gospel, when they left the house of Gaius, they were refilled, refreshed and encourage. Beloved, do you have the type of hospitality that's able to encourage somebody? Do you make spiritual deposits in people's lives, or are you only taking spiritual withdrawals from other people's lives? See, in order to make a spiritual deposit in somebody else's life, you actually have to have a relationship with Jesus, and you got to know a little something about God's Word. See, you can't just just, uh, have a relationship with somebody where you're always pulling, you're always Take it from them. You, you're always calling uh, with a problem, with an issue. You're always asking them for money, asking them for their time, asking them for a ride. But when was the last time that God used you to be a blessing to somebody else? And I'm talking about a blessing where you don't remind them that you was a blessing last time you blessed them. Uh, you know how we do. Don't act like you don't know. We do stuff for people, and then we remind them two weeks, three months later of what we did for them in order to make us feel good about ourselves. That wasn't gayest. His desire was to genuinely bless those who came his way. And I, I want you to notice in this, in this letter, this key word of truth. This letter is used over some six times in this text. It says, love and truth, testified in your truth, walking in the truth, workers for the truth, a good testimony from the truth. This, this whole letter is dealing with Truth, the quality of being in accord with what is true. See, two plus two equals four is true. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. That's true. So what he's saying about truth is that Gaius is living in a way where the truth is what he is standing on. He's not standing on anything else besides the truth. And the Apostle John, we, we know how he, he loves the truth, and, it, and, and we know that it excites him that Gaius is walking in the truth. So what is this truth that, that Gaius has been walking in that excites John so much? Well, it's a truth that is personal. It's a truth that is powerful, and it's a truth that is impactful. John is speaking about the truth of God, He's speaking about the truth of Christ Jesus, and he's speaking about the truth of Scripture. John is speaking of the truth of the gospel here. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in, and you can can substitute it right here, walking in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I have no greater joy. There's, there's, no, there's nothing higher. There's no greater desire that, that, that John has for his spiritual children than that they are walking in the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth that, that God is the creator and sustainer of all things. That God is good, he is holy, and he is faithful. That he, he is preeminent and worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. The truth that God created man in order to reflect his glory all throughout creation, but instead of being holy and fully submitted to God's word and his way, they decided to do their own thing, and they fell into sin because they chose to be disobedient. But he's talking about the truth that even though man fell into sin and was separated from the goodness of God because of their sin, that God saw their condition and he made a way and he sent Jesus Christ into this world to be the sinless sacrifice for their sins. Not, not, but not for his sins, but for their sins. The truth that every man, woman, boy, girl, and child is born in sin and they have been shaped in iniquity. The word of God reminds us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the word of God also reminds us, but, but God demonstrates his love towards us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the truth that he is talking about. And he's talking about the fact that Jesus came and he lived a life that we could not live. A life of perfect obedience, a life of perfect submission, a life of, of perfect praise, of perfect exaltation. And he was always willing to do God's will here on earth. The truth that Jesus demonstrated who he was through his miracles. Jesus he healed lepers. He gave sight to the blind. He gave uh, the ability to walk to those who were lame. Jesus. Jesus, he, he, he demonstrated that he was God by, by commanding the winds and the waves. Telling the waves, peace be still. Jesus even demonstrated he has power all, uh, and all authority even over death. He raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is demonstrating the truth of who he is. He is the, the incarnation of, uh, of the word of God come to live with us, to live the life that we could not live, but then also to die the death that we deserve. So, so John is talking about the truth that when we respond to Jesus's free offer of salvation, we will be saved that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he's also talking about the truth that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back to rule and to reign with all authority. And, he, and a victory is already uh, uh, secured by his blood and that those who have repented and trusted in Christ Jesus will rule and reign for an eternity with Christ. This is the truth that that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John has been sharing with Gaius and Gaius is now living out. Beloved, when this truth gets in you. It does something in you and it does something to you. When the truth of the gospel begins to work itself out in your life, beloved, the text of scripture reminds me that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What he's saying is when the truth of the gospel impacts your life, you will never be the same. That the gospel is so good 
and and we sing about it, but we don't, but we really don't think about it. And it talks about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. See, we 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 skip past that a lot of times and forget that we was a wretch. We was wicked. We were evil. We weren't thinking about God, but God stepped in and did something about our situation and circumstance. The truth of the gospel does something to you. You can't help but be changed by the gospel. So when we so when John is he when he is saying I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth, he is so happy that Gaius is just living like a Christian. He says, Gaius, he, he's not doing anything super, anything out of the ordinary. He is just being the Christian that Jesus has enabled him to be. He is just walking out of, of what God has already placed in him. He is just living this out. His, his profession and his practice is the same. His creed and his conduct, they match. His, his life and his lips aren't two different things. He don't come on Sunday and act one way and then go home Monday and act another way. He, he doesn't, he's, not, he's not saying he will praise Jesus on Sunday and shout holy, holy praises on, on, on Sunday morning, but, 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 but getting down and singing praises to everybody else on the weekend. He is saying his life and his lips match up. He's walking in the gospel. He's saying that the fruit of the Spirit is actually manifesting itself out in Gaius' life. He's saying you can actually see that he has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in his life. You, you can actually tell that God has done a work in his heart, and it, which makes him to look different than everyone else. He's saying that his good works have been clearly demonstrated. Matthew 5, 16, we were, we were just saying that. Let your light shine. Before others that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Or Ephesians 2 and 10, where the text says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Gaius is just walking out who God has called him to be. However, John's assertion implies that he knows many who have not been walking in the truth. Beloved, unfortunately, we live in a world which holds to a different standard of truth. When you hear phrases like your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, then we know that we are in a time where truth is being fought over because everybody's truth can't be true at the same time. When truth is subjective, people will begin to build their entire lives based upon lies. Beloved, when, 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 when the truth of Christ is not your foundation, you are actually building your life upon a lie. When I think about that point, I think back to one of the, the most famous examples of having a life built upon a lie. I think about to the late 80s and the early 90s, that pop group called Millie Vanilli. 
Rob and Fab. They, they came out with such force. They came out with their videos. Girl, you know it's true. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I love you. Yeah. And y'all was, y'all was rocking. Y'all was like, y'all know y'all was. Don't front. Like y'all only listen to church music. Y'all know y'all like that. And then and, and they came out so hard that they actually won the Grammy for Best New Artist in 1998. And they were riding high. They were so popular. They, they had come from, from Germany, but they were touring all over America. But, beloved, they couldn't have sustained a lie too long. And the secret got out that they had been lip-syncing all of their songs. And all of a sudden, all of the accolades, all of the uh, excitement, all of the praise was flushed down the toilet because their entire career was built upon a lie. Beloved, we may laugh at their story. We may laugh when we hear their names, yet each and every day we're building our lives on top of lies. Lies like uh, uh, that you're, you're the most important person in the room. Lies like your opinion is what matters most. Lies like if only you was in control, everything would be right. Lies like if you was the boss, or if you was the supervisor, or if you was in charge, then everything would be running smooth. Lies like if people would just ask me, I'd give them the answers. And we build our little lives on top of lies. And we keep building and we keep building. We build our, our lives on lies like I'm grown. Can't nobody tell me what to do. And we build our life on lies like I'm just trying to get this paper out here in the streets. And we build our life on lies like I'm just, I'm just dibbling and dabbling sometime. It, it really won't bother me or affect me too much. Lies like you're the master of your fate the captain of your soul. Those are lies from the pit of hell. But beloved, understand, we're not the first person who's been lied to. In the garden in Genesis 3, we see Satan, that, that, that slippery-tongued serpent, come to Adam and Eve, and he begins to lie to them, to, to tell them that you actually, you actually can live your best life now. All you have to do is, is go ahead and partake of the fruit. Even though God said don't do it, you surely won't die a lie. But yeah, Adam and Eve chose at that moment to build their entire life upon a lie. And they took and they ate of the fruit. And now they have fallen into sin and their sin separated them from a holy and righteous God. They were cast out of the garden. And now and now we see that Jesus has come to make a way in order that we may have reconcilia reconciliation. But beloved, Adam and Eve, they're not the only ones building their lives upon a lie. What lies are you building your life on? Are you building your Life on the lies that he can't live without me. She can't live without me. What lies are you building your life on? In the text, we see this lie that Diotrephes uh, had built his life on. In verse 9, he says, I have written something to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. 
The lie that he built his life on was that he was more important than the rest of his family. He was more important than the rest of his church. He was more important than anyone else. Beloved, it's, it's, it's a seductive sin, but it's apparent in all of our lives. We love glory, and we love to have our own way. And we, when we don't get what we want or what we think we should have, we begin to sin in order to get it. We begin to have arguments. We begin to have fights. We begin to have all kind of chaos because we want what we want. It's because our life has been built upon lies. But when you build your life on lies, you are doomed to fall and doomed to fail. Don't build your life on lies. Build your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. We sing that song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. My, your job is sinking sand. Your marriage is sinking sand. Your children are sinking. Are you building your life on the fact that you are a parent? That's sinking sand. Your money is sinking sand. Your, your Facebook post is sinking sand. Your Instagram page is sinking sand. All of the glory that comes with this life is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Where are you building and how are you building? But quickly, I want, I want to show you two things quickly in the text. Notice also, walking in truth does not depend on your circumstance. Because a lot of times we, we'll walk in truth, but when everything's okay. He says in verse 2, he says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. What John is saying, I don't know if there was something wrong with Gaius's health if he had been sick and he's just getting better, but what he's saying is that your external condition uh, doesn't have any priority over your internal hope. What is he saying? He's saying when you walk in truth, things may not be good on the outside, but things are a-okay on the inside. When you're walking in truth, you may be going through a situation, a circumstance that is like a hurricane in your life. But, but, but John reminds us that when you're walking in truth, things ain't got to be okay all the time on the outside because you ain't okay on the inside. And your peace is not coming from what you're going through. Your peace comes through your relationship with God. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. The songwriter is talking about though brokenness, though pain, though hurt has happened on the outside, my soul is still well because my soul is being kept by Jesus. Secondly, notice when you walk in truth, you don't have to brag on yourself. Those you come in contact will brag for you. 
verse 3, for I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. Every single day, we wake up looking for affirmation, looking for someone to give us glory, to make us feel better about myself. But when we walk in truth, you don't need somebody to co-sign on your life. You just walk in truth, and then God will affirm you and lift you up. He says, when you are, the only way to be truly exalted is to humble yourself. The only way to be made whole is to show up broken so he may fix you. So when we're thinking about this Christian life, don't worry about boasting, making much of yourself. Don't try to show off. Don't, don't serve in the church so someone can see you. Don't, don't work hard when the boss comes past your cubicle, but the rest of the day you on Facebook. Don't act like you got it all together. Don't try to make me believe that you high and mighty, that, that you're, so, uh, you're super Christian. He is saying don't worry about what other people say. When you walk in truth, I will exalt you, Jeremiah 923 reminds us, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. If you're going to boast about something, boast that you know Jesus. Because when you boast that you know Jesus, that means somebody actually hears your mouth open up about his glory. You can't stay silent and boast about Jesus. But beloved, when we reject the truth of the gospel, your life is only as good as the lies that are holding it together. Jesus wants to move you from frustration to freedom. In John 8 and 31, it says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Somebody in here is in spiritual bondage because they've been building their entire life on lies. You're frustrated. Nothing seems to go right. Everything always goes wrong. It's always chaos. Your, your life is filled with misery and chaos. Beloved, maybe, may just maybe, it's because you've been building your life on lies. And you need the truth of who Jesus is to set you free. Freedom is about abiding in Jesus. What lie have you been building on? Look to Jesus today and experience the truth. Look to Jesus today and experience freedom. Look to Jesus today and experience salvation. At the end of the day, truth is not a proposition. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. We look to Jesus because he was the first to hear those words, that's my baby. When the angels came to Mary and said that you are going to have a son, Jesus was reminding her, and that's my baby. When Joseph thought his, his wife was messing, his soon-to-be wife was messing around on him, he was going to divorce her in secret. The angel came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, you, you marry her and you have that child because that's my baby. 
when Jesus went to see John, he was baptized in the, in the Jordan, and, 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 and God spoke over his life. He says, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was just saying, and that's my baby. When, when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was surrounded by uh, Elijah and Isaiah. He, he was standing there and, and, and letting them see his glory. And as soon as he came off the mountain, the voice of God spoke, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He was just saying, and that's my baby. When, well, but we hear the loudest cry of that's my baby at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. When we know that Jesus, he, he, he withstood the beatings. He withstood the, the gossip. He withstood the harm as he was being marched up, up, up Calvary's, up to Calvary's uh, cross. He was stretched wide and hung high. And, and God was saying, that is my baby. When the sun stopped and refused to shine, he was saying to everybody, that's my baby. When the, when the, 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 the the garment in the temple was split in two. God was just saying to everyone, that's my baby. And then when they placed Jesus in the tomb, this is the clearest illustration and example on confirmation. Because on the third day, when Jesus rose with all power in his hand, him getting up out the grave was confirmation that Jesus is who he says he is. And he did what he said he did. And he accomplished what he said he would. And that was God's stamp of approval of Jesus Christ saying, that's my baby. Beloved, in one day, those who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin will hear it too. But we're here said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Enter in into your rest. When we hear those words, when we see our king face to face, when we, when we march up uh, uh, the, the golden road and we, and we see our Savior face to face, and when we hear from him, well done, that good and faithful servant, all we're, going, all we're hearing is God saying, that's my baby, uh, that we belong to him, that he's the one who is our father. That's why the spirit declares in our hearts and we cry out, Abba, Father, he's daddy. To those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. Beloved, I just challenge you today. See, Gaius walked in truth because he knew the truth. The question today is, do you really know God? Do you really know God or you just know the things about God? You kind of been around God. You kind of been around the church. You kind of been around prayer. You've been around the Bible, but you really don't know God for yourself. You know people who know God. Your grandma and them, they know God. You may have an uncle who's a deacon. He may know God. Your cousin might be a preacher. He may know God, but do you really know God for yourself? Gaius walked in truth because he knew the truth, but Gaius walked in truth because he believed the truth. To genuinely have faith in Jesus means I'm going to lay down my life that he may live through me. Do you really believe God today? Beloved, will God speak over your life I have no greater joy 
than to see that my children have been walking in the truth. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this Children's Day. We're able to celebrate you. And Father, I ask that you will take your word and sow it deeply into our hearts, that we will have a deep desire to walk in truth. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious holy name we do pray. Amen.